Blog hello, hello, hello. Welcome to doing this thing all the way live. High Frequency Radio. Hello, 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 and good evening. Peace, kings and queens. This is Shoni Sharper, better known as the Finance Diva. And tonight I have my twin sister, Chauncey Fion, better known as the Insurance Diva. <laughs> and tonight we're going to talk about credit. And I'm going to be bringing the truth, the whole truth. And Chauncey's nothing but the bring truth. Nothing but the truth, right? Come on. <laughs> okay. So tonight, since the mortgage crisis of 2008, Many so-called credit experts have risen out of nowhere. Now, I just want to give you guys a little bit of background on myself. I started with Amex Financial Advisors back in 2000. So May will actually be 20 years for me as a professional financial advisor. Now, when I started as a first-year platform advisor, if you didn't meet certain um, guidelines, you didn't get to what's called a professional um, financial advisor. So with the financial, the professional financial advisor, you got more um, certifications and things like that. So I was able to get certified, FICO certified way back in 2000. Now they didn't even take FICO certification out to mortgage um, professionals until about a year and a half later. So a lot of advisors with MX, we, we were taught to teach our, um, our clients, our wealth clients, how to use credit to build wealth, and that's leverage. Now, Sean, you want to weigh in a little bit right here? Yeah, and before I weigh in, I just want to say, you know, uh, hello to all the people out there, blessings, favor, and also uh, giving big props to our big brother, Yusuf L. You yes. know, you guys know the one that brings the truth all the time, every time, nothing but the truth does he bring uh so we just want to thank him for the opportunity uh to be on high frequency radio right you guys know this is the radio station with the most the highest frequency always bringing the truth and nothing but the truth so you know big ups to our our big brother yusuf yep whatever and uh i hope you guys are are not panicking hopefully you heard the show earlier where there's no reason for us to panic this is the time to prepare uh, but this this uh, subject uh, from your Ask the Finance Diva, Shoni, uh, is very important. Uh, I got my start right out of high school. So right out of high school, uh, I went right into uh, working at the bank, SunTrust Bank more specifically, uh, right out of high school. And I stayed in the banking industry. Now, I, I migrated, started from a seller. Uh, within nine months was the lead teller promoted to running the whole teller operations at the Florida State branch there in Tallahassee. Um, but I kind of moved up. And so I, too, was afforded the information concerning credit uh, as a loan officer, uh, one of the ones that, that to get more people within SunTrust. I still hold the record for single-handedly in one year opening up more loans, credit cards, for individuals and noticing that there were certain people who I could get approved instantly and others, we always got a notice that said, oh, you'll get a letter in the mail within 30 days letting you know a decision. Well, I came to figure out that that means, you know, this was a nice way for us to tell them you didn't get approved so they wouldn't cut me out face to face. So I learned that very early, but 
I, I too was exposed to credit. Now, Shoney was dealing with people in wealth. I, I was dealing with everyday people, anybody that walked in. Uh, so our, our experiences when it comes to credit uh, came from different avenues, but more importantly, uh, coupled with her expertise dealing with uh, the elite and wealth and how credit plays into that. And my expertise dealing with any and everybody that walks into a bank from, you know, someone working out at the time when I started, uh, lots of migrant workers worked in the orange grove fields in Florida. You hardly have any orange grove fields left. But uh, so I dealt with, you know, the Hispanics, blacks, whites, wealthy, poor, the seniors, the gamut. So uh, we bring together a wealth of knowledge that can reach a broad spectrum of the masses. And we're really bringing this information to the masses because somebody call in and tell us, where do you get it? And matter of fact, let's give you the number. If you'd like to uh, chime in, ask a question, feel free to chat, or you can call 424-222-5250. And when you log in, you want to press one. One will give us an indication that you have a credit. So thank you for you tuning in. I'm sorry, you, you have a question. See, I'm already excited about credit. I'm just passing out credit. Right? Wrong. That's a myth. Nobody can pass out credit. So I know on the blog, you'll hear people say, yo, everybody get on and apply with this person. They giving out credit today. Right. That's one of the myths we're going to talk about. Right. So what I want to break down, let's just get to the basics. We'll talk about how credit became, you know, why we use credit now. So I want to go back to the housing, um, the housing laws. In the 60s, when the housing laws were passed, basically Congress told banks, um, you guys have to stop discriminating. Um, if you're using government funds to back these Fannie Mae, you know, you know, Fannie Mae loans and all of that, um, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, then everyone has to be able to um, have the same opportunity, right? So if you don't, if you don't know, the base level of everything to building wealth is home ownership. I know there are a lot of people will tell you that it's not true. Name one billionaire, multimillionaire who doesn't own real estate. Why? It's tangible. It's the only tangible asset that, that, that you can buy. And the reason demand is going to continue to go up is because you can't create anymore. What we have is what we have. So as more and more people, you know, are born, you know, grow up and all of this, they'll eat homes too. So that means when, when anything becomes scarce, it, it's more in value, right? Right? Well, yeah, to, yes. to a certain degree. Yeah. That, which is rare. That's how you create uh, people demand. Look at, yeah. People look at it as being uh, when inventory high value, is low, right? When inventory is low and it's a need. Now, once are different, you know, eventually iPhones, that'll be, you know, you can't stand in lines for them anymore because they release a hundred per store that will go by the wayside. What I'm talking about is land. You can't create any more of it, and you need it. You're going to need it. Yeah. So when there's a need and it becomes scarce, that's where it creates more demand, and that means it drives the price high. Real estate is the only tangible asset to do that. So anyone who tells you that a home, <laughs> you know, even though I know Robert Kiyosaki always says, hey, your home is a liability. Well, yeah, there's, 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 there's good liabilities and there's bad liabilities. Wait, let me add to that. He doesn't say it's a liability. He said, if it, is it making you money, it's a liability. Okay. He says it's a liability because on your balance sheet, debits and credits, 
your home until you pay it off is actually a liability. Now, we can use even our home to build wealth now. Why? You can rent it out, you can Airbnb it and all of that. So Robert's going to have to come up, you know, he's got to change that. That means if you have a home and you're not, you know, your only money is going out of it and you're not using it to build wealth, then yes, technically it is a liability. However, it's the only thing without doing anything else that will continue to go up, increase in value time and time again. Why? Because demand goes down as more and more people are born into the earth. So that's base level, guys. Base level, if you don't, if you don't have a house. So white people basically were getting the loans and black people, we couldn't get it. So now Congress passed a law to what? Let's do the plan, even plan field, right? The American dream. You, you can buy a home. So when we talk about the divide, not only did you have um, generations who built their wealth off free labor, and now they can own real estate and things like that, and we can't. So when that, was, when that law was passed, more and more black families started on the come up. Come on, what's, what's it? We're moving on up. Yeah, that's true. We're moving on up. Y'all know the song. Come on. <laughs> to the east side. Now, that show would not have been possible if the housing law was not passed by Congress. Now, we all know laws can be passed. It takes time for government and regulatory um, agencies to regulate those laws. So there was still some time in there. We didn't really start to see black wealth grow until the 80s. That's like 15 years later that we started to start build wealth as a black community. So well, what I want to interject to that. Now, remember the movie we saw, The Banker? Yeah. So this is so important in what Yusuf teaches about, one, you have to understand universal law, and two, stop following the masses. So there's a really good uh, movie, and it's based on a true story on Netflix. No, Netflix. on Apple TV. Oh, I'm sorry, Apple TV called The Bankers. You really should should watch that. That's with Samuel L. Jackson, and I, I forget the other, the guy. other guy. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know what other guy it is. But Samuel L. Jackson is in it. And in the story, these guys, way back before the 80s, they were understanding how things work, okay? So you don't just need to know what to do. You need to understand the why and the how. Kevin, Kevin Trudeau talks about understanding the how and the why. So these two black men, way back then, you you remember the, the year that from that movie? I think it was what the third. The he was born I say in the 40s, so it had to be like in the 50s, 60s. But in the movie, what I'm saying is, is there was although there wasn't very many blacks owning real estate, there were very few owning, and the few is because they had the information to know. What you see at the beginning of the movie is a young boy spying on he he uh was a shoe shiner, but he was smart enough to know to hear the conversations of the men whose shoes he was shining. And then when they would go into a building to talk, he was outside listening and getting the information. So I I negate the idea that oh, well, wealth is, is only for this person or this person of color of persuasion. No, wealth is for people who know what to do. The know, the how, and the why. So we see plenty of examples uh, in history of people who know. And the difference is, is the masses don't know and the elite do. So you have to decide what, what are you going to follow, the truth, or are you going to follow the masses? 
because the masses will always be the vast population. The elite will always be the few. And so there are plenty of examples that show when you get the truth, you can step outside the masses and put yourself in a whole different category. All right, great. So she's right. There are some people who are outliers. That's not, you know, the standard of the norm. So you have people who are exceptional and they find ways to defy, you know, what everybody else is doing. So let's get back into it. So back in 2000, 2001, actually, after I became a uh, professional advisor, um, the reason I got into this particular training is because I had concentrated on more business owners. Everybody else was, you know, either chasing um, the high, high net worth clientele. They were chasing athletes and all of that. And I said, okay, well, what niche can I concentrate on? And so small business owners need financial planning. They need, you know, this advice as well. I also had my MBA. So I'm like, okay, this is just a natural fit. Let me go and talk to small business owners. So the reason I got this particular um, training was because my portfolio of clients was 90% small business owners. And not only that, I had the highest annual financial planning fees. And Amex said, a grand a plan, you charge 1000 to do their financial plan. And most people, the old, the old heads, you know, people have been financial advisors for a long time. They were like, man, ain't nobody doing no financial plans. We never did no financial plans. We sell portfolios. We manage portfolios. So they rejected it. So I'm coming in new. I'm, I'm grasping everything they tell me to do, which is why I no longer, um, you know, manage portfolios or any of that. I'm strictly a fee, fee for purchase um, fee planner. Sorry. <laughs> I am a financial planner. I do not manage any of those things. And we're going to talk about how I got credit training. So these business owners, what do business owners need? They need funding to grow and all of that. Right. So how access can to I access the capital? So what's the most important thing? I don't care if you got everything else laid out. If you don't have your credit in line, you cannot access SBA funds. That's number one. People will tell you it's not about credit, but go to the bank and see if the bank. Now, I don't want to get too far off of the subject, but most people think the government lends with SBA. The government does not lend any money with SBA. We're not talking about the disaster loan. We're talking about regular SBA loans. The bank lends the money. SBA says, hey, for a certain amount of your portfolio for business, we will guarantee those payments from loss. That's all SBA is, okay? So how can I serve my business clients more effectively? Show them how to put their credit to use so that they can leverage it. Now, credit is leverage, guys. So what is leverage? Okay, well, I'm glad you asked. Leverage is the use of borrowed capital for an investment that you expect the profits to be greater than the interest payable. Should I read that again? Go ahead. Let me read that again. Maybe y'all didn't hear me the first time. Chelsea, so you're going to read that right there. Read that. Credit is leverage. The purpose of credit is to use it to build wealth, not build debt. What is leverage? Leverage is the use of borrowed capital for an investment that you expect the profits to be greater than the interest payable. All right. So leverage is the use of other people's money. Now, ain't that credit? Does that sound like credit? And I call it OPP, other people's principle, right? Is that is that not 
leverage credit, right? right? All right. So I also want to talk about another term I know y'all hear when you talk about um, selling stocks and all that, buy low, sell high. Now, the buy low, sell high strategy is referencing everything in finance regarding increasing wealth using leverage, okay? Using leverage. What do we talk about stocks with? Other people's money, right? Mm-hmm. To do what? Make a return, right? right? Correct. Leverage, okay? So I'm going to give you guys the best example of leverage. Banks. All the bank does is they have depositors. However, they get money from the Fed. When y'all saw that come out, I think last week, the Fed dropped it to 0%. That ain't for you. The bank ain't giving you 0%. Well, they will on certain credit lines, but not on a loan. So the Fed rate at zero means banks can borrow money from the Fed at 0%. So when you go to get a loan, the money that they're lending you comes from the Federal Reserve. So all banks do, they use leverage. They're using the Federal Reserve money, you know, at 2%, 4%, whatever they borrow it at. Y'all can keep up with the federal loan, Fed, uh, Fed rate. You can, you can look it up. So whatever that rate is, and it changes, that's what the banks are paying to get the money. Then they give it to you in the in the in the form of a loan, and they charge you what eight percent, fourteen point nine nine percent. Right, that rate that's is determined leverage. by your credit. It is determined by your credit. So that's why we're talking about credit, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Because at the end of the day, if you are going to be your own banker and establish your own bank, and we'll talk about that on a, on a, a, another show this week. Uh, the importance of of doing your own private banking or private reserve banking, PRB. Uh, But that's why credit is so important because uh, the credibility of the banks, however, so people are like, well, what about the credibility of the banks? Well, depositor accounts, right? So every time you open a checking account, savings account, your bank is being able to use those. So if you ever looked at your statement, your statement is going to have a category in it that says your average daily balance. Okay. So your average daily balance, your, how many depositors that are at the bank, all of these numbers go to establish the leverage that a bank has with the Fed Reserve. Also, if that bank is publicly traded, not a credit union, but a publicly traded company, it also goes to the credibility that people believe, oh, I should buy stock here. Look at, you know, what what they have. They have this many depositors with this many averages that are kept in the account at any given time, okay? So we make, we as depositors build the credibility of our, our banking institutions, and what do they give us for doing that? A point. Zero zero one percent interest rate. Right. Okay. But then they also, for every dollar that we're depositing with them, lend to how much they're able to get from the Federal Reserve. We are their security. Okay. So we are the collateral that's used for them to get access to their capital when they get it from the Fed Reserve, and then they turn those into auto loans, credit card uh, loans, private loans, real estate loans, small business loans. All of these things are done. We are the credibility for the bank, and then they take what we're putting into their institutions. They they borrow. We are our that that um not capital, but we are the uh what's the word I'm looking for when you when you put something down as a deposit. Oh, you're the um 
Collateral. We're the collateral. So we're the collateral. And based off of how big we are as a bank, the more money we can get access to, which gives us the ability as a bank to leverage. So banks borrow and then they lend, which is why it's important that we learn and start doing that in our own lives and with our own finances. To be able to do this, you have to have credit. Right. So, so let's really get into it, guys, because after 2008, that's when you really, really saw a lot of people going online and talking about what you can get, this, that, and the other. Credit, understand me, credit was never intended for poverty-minded folks. Credit, it's a privilege to be able to use someone else's um, capital so that you can leverage that to go and build wealth. That means whatever you put the money towards had to pay more than what you were paying. That's biblical principle too. Come on. Right. That's just biblical principle, right? So people who use credit, you know, foolishly. Consumer. Yeah, consumers. So let's talk about the please, different please, different people. People who use credit foolishly, buying material things, y'all know, going on vacation trips and all of this. You don't even have money in your bank account to buy this ticket, but you'll put it on this credit card. You know, you see, you see people. I I went to I went to one year law school and all that. Thing. Even people in NBA, I've never ever used a credit card to go on a trip. A lot of those, a lot of my uh, people, friends, and all that who were in school, they would use these student loans to go on trips. Do you know you have to pay this money back? <laughs> like you haven't even finished your um, education. This is borrowed money, you know, and you're going out here on trips. It's Foolish. It was never intended for those type of people, right? Never. So go ahead, Chauncey. So what yeah, I was going to say, what you yeah, mean? and what I was saying is, is um, putting something in the hands. That's why you have to be. If you're a lender, so put yourself in the position of a lender, right? So this is your money. Lenders lend money. Why? So that they can grow their money. They are going to get an interest off of the money that they lend. So we all should want to establish and get get ourselves to the place where we're a lender and then eventually get to the point where our money's flowing so much that we can be what they call a philanthropist. Okay. Right. That means you just got money. Your, your money's just working, working overtime for you. Like, you know, when people say, Oh, this person is making this much an hour, that's because they have multiple income streams. They all are working well. They're fine tuned machines. They're not working those businesses, those businesses and the cat, even the businesses are working and the money they get from the businesses are also working. So they have multiple streams of income. But at the end of the day, if we put ourselves as a lender, if you're a lender, there is no way that you want to give your own capital and put it in the hands of someone with the promise that they're going to pay you back plus the interest that you're charging. You're going to put it in the hands of a person that is a consumer. Let's talk about what a consumer is. It is a person that takes their seed and eats it. Yeah. So if you look at your money as a seed and your seed has been consumed, you didn't even give it time to become a fruit. Okay? okay, you ate the seed, it can never produce anything for you. And that's why credit separates who should get access to capital, who should get access to other people's principal, so that because it's for wealth building purposes. Yep. Okay, so if you don't understand that basic principle right there, there's no need for you to try to understand a credit, 
what your credit profile is for, what the credit score means, any of that stuff. If you don't learn the basics, the basics have to be learned and understood, and then you build upon that, okay? So first, most of us weren't taught this because we didn't see it in our own household, okay? So you have to first admit what you don't know. And I'm going back to uh, these principles, okay? You have unconscious incompetence. What does that mean? When you don't know that you don't know, okay? So I'm speaking to a lot of people out here, and I can say this one statement. If you look at your credit score and you think you know what your credit is based off of the score, then you are unconsciously incompetent concerning credit because the score is irrelevant, okay? We'll prove that to you through the school and through these conversations. But when you don't know that you don't know, that is classified as someone who is unconscious, unconsciously incompetent, okay? The next step, listening to the show, is going to break some of those things down. You can move to the next step, which is to become conscious, consciously incompetent. And that's when you know that you don't know. So the first step is admitting, right? If you are uh, going to AA, they're going to have you stand up, say your name, and to admit what it is that you now know. My name is so-and-so, and I am an alcoholic. Okay, you can't change that if you can't tell yourself the truth. All right, so conscious, being consciously incompetent, that is when you know that you don't know. Okay, so if you're listening and you're hearing some of the things that we're saying, a foolish person is going to argue with it. If you've never, ever been trained on the credit system, you have to ask yourself, why do I think certain things? Where did this information come from? How is this information relevant and building me well? You have to consider the source. Actually, you don't have to consider the source. It'd be a wise decision to start doing critical thinking and asking yourself, right. what do I, why, why do I feel like I know credit? And two, where do I feel? If you're reading blogs from Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, the and the bank, listen, these people are not your enemy, but they're the people who make the most off of your ignorance. They do. Come Why on. in the world would you get your information from the person who knows what to do, but is going to tell you something different to do so that they could capitalize off of your ignorance? Come on. Equifax is not your friend. Nope. Your bank is not your friend. Let's be honest. They are there to build wealth. Yep. Leverage. So you got to know what they know and not what they tell you. Come on. See what I'm saying? So if we got from unconsciously incompetent, I don't know what I don't know, then I start listening to high-frequency radio so that I can learn some things, then I can become consciously incompetent, which is where I can say to myself, now I know that which I don't know. Then you got to take a step further, okay? Use the path in school. I know uh, the the uh, host that does the foundation, he has his online information. You guys have to make a choice, a conscious choice. Am I going to do the same thing day in and day out and keep the same results that I have? And let me tell you, all y'all home, you've got the time to read. You've got the time to study. Okay? So then you can move to the next step in mastering your learning. And that is conscious competence. That's when you know that you know. You can't know what you know if you don't study and you don't read. So if you're not signing up for Yusuf 
uh, trust school and his online school. If you're not diving in to the information from our host that does the foundation, if you're not going to dive into Shoni's school, her school that she's building, guys, why are you even on the radio? You understand what I mean? Like, you got to decide. You got to make a conscious decision. Listen, okay? Things are changing, all right? I want to be on the upswing of the change, which means that what I did last time, I can't do before. I'm going to sit around and just be panicking, listening to the news. I did that in 2008, and what did it leave me? The same place I'm at right now in 2020, trying to figure it out. So let's do something different. Let's empower ourselves. Let's get information. Let's read the books. Let's get into the classes. And then let's change our behavior. So the basic of credit is understanding that you are giving a privilege. First, you have to show that you're worthy of that privilege. But when someone extends credit to you, that is someone saying, take my principle as a seed, go plant a harvest, and when you plant a seed, if it's planted in the right place, it's going to do what? Produce a harvest. What do you have in the harvest? You have fruit, and then you have seed inside the fruit. What does the harvest give you? Wealth for you and the ability to pay back your creditor. With interest. With, yeah, you can pay them back with interest, but the fruit is for you. Exactly. But you got more seed. Right? And in every seed, if you take an apple, you plant one seed of apple, you're always going to get apples. So thinking that you can build wealth without actually having a great command on how money current, money is the best thing that produces more money. Come on. Because money is the seed that you plant and it will, yes, yes, exactly. Now we can exchange our time, equity, for money, but money is the only thing when it's properly it's called currency. When you have a proper current of your money, it's the only thing that's going to build you more money faster than anything else. Planting corn seeds is not going to get you money. Okay. You can exchange the corn and somebody can buy it and give you some money, but money produces money. Money. Right. And credit is the ability to use somebody else's money to do the planting. Come on now. All right. That, that was great. Thank you, Shamsi. So now what I want to talk about is, I know y'all heard this before, but I'm going to break it down a little bit different because I'm pretty sure you've never heard this before. All right. And if you have any questions, guys, go ahead and give us a call at 424-222-5250. And when I see your question mark up at the uh, prompt, just press one and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll chime you on in there. All right. So let's talk about what makes up your credit score. Okay. We already know 35% is what? Payment history. On-time payments, okay? Now, how the old model, it's changed a little bit because I've seen some people out there and say, okay, let's do, eight, uh, let's do 850, and 35% 850 is this. So this, No, that's definitely not how the point, it's not on the point system, it's on a percentage, percentage system. That's why you don't see um, 35% of 850 the points there is not on the point system, okay? And the score doesn't matter anyway. I know. Wait, let me. We're talking about score. Yeah. So it's on time payments, okay? It's how the old score and how banks used to uh, look at you. It's changed a lot because we have way more credit opportunities than we did back in the day. You didn't have a whole whole lot. Of, like you can go buy furniture on credit. You didn't have that back in the day unless you were going directly through the store. I'm talking about plastic, okay? Um. So with your payment history. Back in the day, it would take you two years. If you missed a payment, 
whatever your score was at that time, without doing anything different, it would take you two years to get back at that one particular um, score because it's based on a two-year system, okay? It's different now because you can move that percentage simply by having more trade lines. The more trade lines you have, if you miss a payment on one of them, it will not affect you like somebody who has two accounts and they miss the payment. You're going to get a huge decrease by that one because you only have one other account to offset it. Make sense? It definitely makes sense. Again, percentages is not point-based, it's percentage-based. So no one can tell you that if you have, that's why when you go to um, the credit models, whether you're using MyFICO, they can tell you because they're using an algorithm of all the percentages, meaning you've got this many accounts, you paid all of these on time, you missed one, how's that going to affect you? Now, if you took three people, one person has two accounts, one person has 20 accounts, one person has 30 accounts, all y'all missed the payment, who's going to hurt the most? The one with two accounts. Because it's based on percentages, guys. The more better credit you have, that's how you reach 800. You can't reach 800 with one credit. One? pro, Like one? I'm telling you, I don't care. You need a mix. That's why the mix is in there. So if you have one, you're never going to reach 800. It's impossible to do it. I don't care if it's 30 years old. It's only one. To get to that 800 above, you need all of these things working. So we talked about payment history. Let's let's go to 30%. Credit utilization. Really, guys, that's just capacity. <laughs> really, capacity. How much capacity do we trust you with? Okay? Your limits tell the bank how much they trust you. If your limits are 300 guess what? That's all they trust you with is $300. That's all you worth. And that's not them. really a good thing either, no, right? So that thing. and that's why understanding how it works is so strategic because the more that okay, so when you think about and she's talk, she's referring to your limits on your credit cards, right? Yes. So the car we have debit cards, we have driver's license in the form of a card. You got to understand what the card is. It's called credit card. It is the card and the initial method of driving the credit system okay yes. so again if i have a debit card and i'm put buying my groceries and gassing up my my car does that that transaction report to the credit bureau no it does not because it's a debit card right and it is a a a you can only use what is in the bank when you're using debit and putting that pin number in now, there are some of you who have gotten lulled into the idea of using your debit card as a credit. So when you swipe that debit card and use it as a credit, it all, always has a triple, of, triple effect of ending your checking account into a negative unless you're keeping all these, you know, writing down all your transactions because what? It's not a credit card. I know it looks like one. I know it has the logo of a credit card, but let's be clear. A debit card and a credit card are not the same thing. A credit card was designed so that you can give a glimpse to your creditors via your credit report how you are cash flowing your money. There's no other way to demonstrate your cash flow without the use and the proper and strategic usage, utilization of your credit card. Right. So again, when I say capacity, that means how credible are you? How credit worthy are you? 
So if all you have is $300 limit, $1,000 limit, that means the bank only trusts you with that amount of money, okay? The higher capacity, the more you're going to get there. If you only got $300, $500, and I'm telling you, if you all only have secure cards, that, that ain't capacity. That's, that's you. you. Yeah, they ain't trust you with the money. You gave them the money. All that is is a side hustle. All that is is you getting hoodwinked. And the reason you can't build wealth without having it is because they already know you don't deserve it. That's the only way you can give me your money. I'll give you this card based on the money you give me, and I'll charge you interest on your own money. That's hustling backwards. You are getting hoodwinked from the bank. That's all that is. Okay, people need credit. So how can we make them think they got credit? Yes, we'll report it to the, the, the bureau for you, but it ain't our money. It's your money. So, yeah, you'll generate a score, but I'm telling you, if you never get unsecured capital, if you never get unsecured capital, ever, all the bank is going to see, and they do see your report as secure. You may not see your consumer report when you go look at your credit report, but if you look at a lender's credit report, it's, it's going to stay secure, period, point blank. Yep. Okay. It I does. Think, I think we got a caller. All righty. All right. Let's see. Caller. Let's see who we got. Are you there? Hello? Yes. Hi. Hello. Hi. What's your name? Hi, this is this is uh, Kyler from Seattle. Hi, Tyler. This is Shoni. Did you have a question for us? Yeah, do you know anything about the, the hemlocks? Say that again? And how the that hemlock? You know, yeah, the, he, was it a HELOC or hemlock? Um, oh, and how HELOC. that affects your credit? Home yes. equity line yes. of credit. Home yes. equity line of credit. So basically what a home equity line of credit is, now when you have equity in your home, you can take it out one of two ways. You can take it out as cash, right? If you go and refinance for a different rate and you pull the cash out, you're only going to get a percentage of that. So with a home equity line of credit, instead of taking it out as cash, you can take the value of the equity and the bank will give you a revolving line, which is better than cash. Right. <laughs> they're not reporting cash. What they're going to report is the different, the different uh, loan amount when you refinance, right? So with a home equity line of credit, I've had one before. I've had them, you know, before the, the crash and all that. <laughs> we had home equity lines of credit. They are great. It's very rare that a bank does it. There's a lot of banks who still do it. But depending on your state, how devastated they were, a lot of banks just simply stopped doing it. Because why? A lot of people foreclosed and they had to write off all that money. They couldn't even go into the home and pull the equity out when they resold it. So a home equity line of credit, it is good to take your money out that way. Why? Because it revolves and... The bank is going to uh, report those payments to the credit bureau. Right. So it's just another line of credit. Right. And then also it's important to understand the, 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 the three different types of credit. You have trade lines. So a trade line is an account that is reporting uh, the relationship between you and the lender on your credit file. That's called a trade line. You have different types of trade lines. One, you have open. Two, you have clothes and a line of credit, whether it's a home equity line of credit, a checking line of credit, any type of line of credit is a hybrid between those two. The open lines of credit are your revolving accounts like credit cards, meaning if I have a $10,000 limit, I can put something on the limit. It reduces you know, what I have available. When I pay it off, it becomes available again. And those are meant to stay open. 
never, ever, 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 ever close out a credit card. Okay. Yeah. There are other things that you can do with it, which you guys will learn by going to the school that, that will be an income producing uh, ability for you as opposed to, uh, I got a credit card. I'm not doing anything with it. So let me close it out. Then you have closed uh, trade lines. Those are your installment loans, your homeowners, your student loans. That means the money they gave to you was for a purpose. And once that purpose has been satisfied, the home has been paid off, you don't have access to that limit of capital again. You got to go through the whole underwriting process again. So that's a, a close. A HELOC or home equity line of credit is a hybrid between the two. So that means they gave you an established limit based off of the equity in the home, but it's a line of credit, meaning it will stay open as long as you're continuing to utilize it, pay it off. Uh, charge it up, pay it off. So the difference is, is the credit card it has a card to it where you can go out and swipe it. The line of credit, you typically have to transfer that or, or use a check right. uh, to access the funds. Okay. So did you have any other um, questions, Tyler? Yeah. Have you ever heard anybody paying off their house by using that loan? I have. If you've got enough equity, that would be like if you went and bought a, let's say a foreclosure or a short sale or something like that, and you've got all the equity, of course you can go pay off. If you went to a private lender, you could pay them off with the line of credit. You sure could. Well, I heard that I guess if you use that kind of loan, that it, it goes towards the principal and the, the the calculation of your interest, does it never gets calculated in there. Does that make sense? Wait, explain that again. Well, I don't I heard something about that you can actually pay your home off faster if you use that type of a loan. Well, there's many ways you can pay your home off faster. Like let's say your mortgage yeah. was $1,000. You could uh, pay it in two monthly payments. And, you and know, if the, you pay 500 every other week as opposed to 1000 a month, you will. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. there's many there's many strategies. I'm not sure about that one, so I won't say yes or no to that one. I just know you can use your line of credit for anything. If you have a low balance, and you've got all the equity, you can pay them that first mortgage off because they're two separate loans. What gives you the ability to have the home um, equity line of credit is the equity. It has nothing to do with the principal. Make sense? Yeah. How much is your school and how long does it last? And is it? do you go over advanced topics? Because a lot of the credit I stuff do. I already know already. Yes. I go over much more advanced, much more advanced topics. So the school will launch. If you email me at, and I'll put, I don't know if they can see, can everybody see that on the chat? Can you see the chat? Just go. No, I'm, uh, I'm just calling you. Okay. So I'm going to um, give you guys my email. If you send that, I'll put you on the notification list. It's supposed to launch on Saturday. We've got a few more things to add to it before we technically launch. So if it doesn't launch Saturday, a notification will go out on the launch date. Okay. So if you email me at, Ask, A-S-K, the, T-H-E, finance, F-I-N-A-N-C-E, diva, D-I-V-A, at Gmail. Just let me know you heard the show and you want to be on the list for the school um, launch, okay? Okay, is there a website you got? Yes, the website will be learn.askthefinancediva.com. Right now, it is not. If you go to it, it's not published, so you won't see anything. But when it launches, the website will be 
www.learn.askthefinancediva.com. All right. All right. So I've good got another question. Very, very good question. And just to give you a little bit more with your question, there are all kinds of ways. There are people who uh, will pay off a mortgage uh, with a business credit card that has a zero percent interest for 18 months. There's so many strategies out there as far as learning how to play the credit game uh, that is way too extensive to just talk about it in this show. But that's a really, really good question. And that is one strategy that people utilize. But credit is going to decide what type of HELOC that they qualify for. So your credit still is a driving factor because a HELOC could offer you an interest rate, no 0% interest or interest only amount of time, which means that it may not be a better thing to do it. So credit is going to determine that factor and then also the lender that you go with. That's important as well. Okay. So thanks for that. I do have another caller. So thank you for calling in. We're going to take the next call. All right. Hello. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, I'm here. Hi. What's your name? This is Seppin calling from Florida. Hi, this is Shoni and Chauncey. And what's your question? I have two questions. My first question is, how do you deal with too many hard inquiries on your credit report? So there are ways of getting inquiries removed. So if you, let's say you went to a dealership, you know, if you go to dealership, this is why in a lot of my classes I teach them, you don't go to a dealership and get their financing. They are a middleman. You're going to pay more money, right? Because they're the broker. You can go to your bank or any other financial institution, get pre-approved for the amount and shop that way. In fact, you have more leverage because why? You can negotiate. When you come in with cash, you can negotiate. Cash is king, right? <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, getting inquiries removed, that is a strategy. And, it, you know, so I'll put it this way. When you, when you have established credit the right way and you understand on the personal side and the business side, when you're going to acquire your credit cards, your lines of credit, your personal loans, whatever the case may be, okay, um, there's a strategy to doing that, okay? And when you use the appropriate strategies, increase are only, uh, 10 what, 10% of a factor. But I'll tell you, the higher your credit score is and the higher your profile is, the class of the type of profile, all credit profiles are classes A credit, a plus credit, A minus, B, B plus, B minus. Right. So it depends on your profile and how that's classed. Did you not know when you are an A plus profile, when you apply for things, the credit falls off automatically once the trade line posts your report? That is a fact. So the, the reason why uh, other levels or lower levels of credit uh, have an inquiry because it's strategically right set there to limit your access, not to give you far beyond what you deserve. So oh. technically you really don't have to have inquiries removed because when you apply, you should already know that you meet the, the guidelines and the qualifications of that lender. And therefore you're going to get approved. The problem is, is when people don't understand how these things work and they're listening to blogs and they're applying for this credit card, that credit card, and you're not getting the credit card. So it's think of inquiries like this. Everybody wants to go to the prom with the pretty girl 
right? So lenders actually like to see who you applied with and who you got approved from. Inquiries hurt you when you applied and you did not get approved. And who you applied with. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) then if you went to a subprime lender, but you have, say, B-plus credit, and you actually qualify for a better loan product, but because you don't understand how these things work, you applying for a lender that's well beneath your class is actually like a demarcation on your profile. So understanding the credit game is massive, like access to capital for wealth building, but it is a process. And a lot of people are crapshooting when they're applying for stuff. They really don't understand who they're listening to credit, credit karma with these suggestions. Okay. Right. It's totally ludicrous. Yeah, the suggestions that credit karma makes. Well, okay? the reason why is because credit karma is basing it on their score, which is Vantage and based on you Vantage, you know, they use, Psycho. So that's one mistake right there. But not only that, every time you click on it, it's clickbait. They get paid simply for you filling out the application. That's why they're there. They're not there to help you. They're there to help themselves. But let me go back to the car um, situation. You've got seven different banks that that, that that dealership put you through. On the application, you can read it. Most of them do not have a disclosure saying that if you fill out this application, that we have the right to shop it. Most of them don't. Be careful. Read it. If it doesn't say it, they don't have the right to submit your credit to whoever you tell. So if you say, I only want you to submit this to Capital One because I already got pre-approved, and you look on your credit, and if you're monitoring, you will get the notification immediately, that's a potential lawsuit. Because unless the application stated, by you filling this out, we have the right to shop it with anybody else. They're shopping it not for you. They're shopping it to get the highest back end that the lender will allow, right? So they don't, they don't have to send it to five people. When they pull your credit, they know who you qualify for because they have rate sheets. Yes. <laughs> they're shopping it and why it takes so long is because they're sending it to this one, waiting for this bank to come back and say, this is how much they're going to get paid on the loan. They're going to this one, waiting for them. They already know who you qualify for. Yep. They're seeing how they can make the most money. So you never go to the dealership and take their financing. It's the worst financing in the world. Four you five. already have your own setup. So if you did do that, you can dispute those creditors who you did not get credit with because you personally did not apply, apply for it. Exactly. But again, you have to look at the application to make sure some of them on the back or at the bottom will be in fine print that says it. If you see it, don't complete the application. Just don't do it. And also, I want to add this, too. This goes to a principle. All right. The principle is this. Um, You, let let me see how I want to structure what I'm saying. Okay. Oh, also, we just want to uh, give this a quick announcement. And, sir, I'm not, I just want to give this quick announcement. Guys, stay tuned. Natural Law Hour is going to be coming up at 9 p.m. with Yusuf L. You guys do not want to miss him talking about the natural laws. I eat the stuff up because the man knows these laws and you need to know them like the back of your hand as well. So just wanted to give that out that at 9 p.m. tonight, you're going to get a lot of information and y'all ain't got nothing to do. Y'all stuck in the house. Quarantine. Exactly. Y'all be in quarantine like the rest of us. So tune in, turn the TV off and tune in. Yusavel is going to be on 9 p.m. tonight and discussing the natural law, okay? okay? And then, so what I want to say to you is another thing about, 
getting things removed, okay? So we already know that the, the, the credit bureaus, and maybe you don't know, I shouldn't assume that. What you guys should know is the credit bureaus are, are privately owned companies, okay? They are not, they have anything to do with the uh, the government, have nothing to do with uh, your lenders, okay? They are in business for themselves, and they're owned primarily by families, all right? So these are uh, basically companies that uh, supply information, okay? They supply information when people order the information, and there are lots and lots of different types of information bureaus out there, okay? Most people know the big three, but there are more than just that. Now, when you look at their setup, credit and understanding the people who are taking your information and then supplying it to the lender that you want to get the capital from, it's important to understand how the credit bureaus work as well. Because if you understand that when you have A-plus credit, okay, their information is transacted uh, digitally, okay? So information goes from lenders, from all these other databases, by data furnitures, and they go all to... Uh, the bureaus, right? The bureaus use technology for that, which means there's error. Also, each trade line and how the information is being reported to the credit bureaus is based off of how that person who's, who's supplying the information, the more detailed in the information, the more it costs them to supply that information. So some files are thin, just name and date of birth, and some files have name, date of birth, address. When your profile is what it should be, you can simply tell that bureau, stop messing with my credit, and trust me, they will. Yep. Okay? So when you're going to all these people around here talking about they can fix your credit, but they don't, they can't extensively tell you how the credit bureaus work. They can't tell you how credit works. They can't fix a damn thing, okay? Because it's very easy. If I look at a profile of somebody and they got the right profile, I can let them know, look, we're going to get this off electronically. And all I got to do is cuss the bureaus out on their behalf. And it's coming off. I'm telling you, okay? Because these people don't know you. Okay, but when they look at your profile and your profile is screwed up because you got this going on, you got 11 addresses, 15 phone numbers, you got all this stuff on your profile that you won't even see unless you get your free report. Okay, Uh, which is the one that nobody wants because there's not a score there. If you know how to read that report and clean it up and get your profile how it should be. You get the credibility. It's your credit and what you say goes. If you don't understand that, then you're paying somebody. You're throwing money to somebody that's just going to keep sending these letters talking about FCRA violations. Okay, all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I think she went on into it. Thank you for that. So did you have any other questions? Yeah, I, um, I just want to get back to one thing. You said uh, to get it cleaned up, you need to check your free report. Mm-hmm. So yes. if you go to annualcreditreport.com and get the ones that you can get for free annually, okay, it's an, uh, annualcreditreport.com. That's the one that's extensive, okay, and it's also the one that's free. It does not have a score. Do not pay for the score, okay? You just toss the money to the wind to the credit bureau. You don't need your score. You need to understand your profile, and you need to, you need to be putting out there a profile that you've designed for yourself. Okay. Okay. All right. So yeah, you you ladies must be clairvoyant or something because I you use the car situation and I just had that situation about ten days ago. The dealership <laughs> did shop. Uh, they shopped around uh, with the 
financing, and it actually dropped my score about 50 points because it was a hard mm-hmm. inquiry. Yeah, and a lot you of can dispute those, dispute those. In fact, write a letter to that dealership. They'll remove it. Write it to the dealership uh, who used uh, okay. it. Tell them how pissed okay. off you are that they messed up your credit and then have demand that they remove those inquiries from the bank that they um, replied for. And they can go to the bank and say, hey, remove this inquiry. Get vocal. Okay. All right. Okay. So I want to go okay. ahead. Okay. Thanks. I want to go ahead and wrap up a little bit, guys, because we only have less than four minutes. All right. So length of credit is only 15%. Accumulation of debt, which is your increase, is only 10%. Mix of credit is only 10%. The type of, the type of, when it says mix of credit, I know people just say get everything. What you put on your credit matters. It matters. If you got, what's the name of them cards? Secure card. Not secure, the, the D. No, oh, card. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Those, those credit cards. Mark Premier and all of that. Premier, yeah. Merck Bank and all these things. Fortiva. You're liter- what is on your report? And how we like to break this down is when you go to school and you got a report card. Let's take three different examples. You got the honor, honor student. You've got the uh, regular student. You got the... Learning disability students, let's take four. And then you also have the students who take AP classes or dual enroll. Those are four different type of level of students, right? When you graduate, all, let's say all four of them got all straight A's. Yep. The reason the APA is weighted higher is because they took a college level class. That means they're already advanced. That means the type of information they've been exposed to is totally different from the other student, which is totally different from the regular student, which is totally different from the, from ESC. the ESC student, right? So when college, when the upper tier uh, colleges are looking to give scholarships, who are they going to get a scholarship to? The ones that have taken the dual enrollment class. The one with a 5.0 on a four-point level or a 4.0 with an ESC, you know, because that's on your report. The so, kind of classes that you take. Yeah. Right. The type of classes that you take, the type of things you put on your, I don't care. I would say uh, a secure card is probably like regular, regular people. I'll say, <laughs> you know, those Merck and First Premier and all that, that's ESE, right? Regular type uh, honors credit, you're looking at about Capital One, you know, unsecured Capital One. But you're talking about the AP style. Those are people who have what? Amex. Discover high limits. High limits. They get the balance transfer offers. I Absolutely. Mean, yeah. They get points back. Fifty thousand exactly. points for putting, you know, fifteen hundred dollars in charges on it. You know, do you know what fifty thousand points uh equate to? We're gonna tell you in another show. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what this is the last thing I wanna say, guys. When you use your credit poorly. You miss out on the opportunity to build wealth. Shanti's going to talk about tomorrow wealth transfers. She's also going to break down how credit plays a major part in wealth transfers, okay? Credit is meant for people who know how to take other people's money, turn a profit, pay these people back their money. The bank will tell you we'll lend you something if you keep 30% on, if you don't go over 30%, well, that's just the bank saying, okay, I can lend to you because you have 70% available, so the risk is not too bad, but that's the rate that I'm going to give you, the highest rate. If you got 30% on your credit cards, your score is lower, 
you'll get approved because it's not, you know, it's not taking you down too far. However, the bank gets the opportunity to give you the highest rate. That's why they say 30%. Would they rather come to you at 800 with 0% um, you know, zero utilization where they can only offer you a 0% line of credit or would they rather get you at a 14.99? They'd rather get you at the 14.99. So guys, my class will be launching. It will be at learn.askthefinancediva.com. Talk with